This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am super stoked about today. Today is one of the greatest days on the entire sports calendar. Yes, we love baseball. This is a baseball show. Yes, we love hockey. We have Bar Down Talking Hockey coming at you, me and Frank Mueller, every Wednesday. We're talking hockey all year long. That show doesn't stop. We got football galore here at the Barroom Network and today is the first day of the NFL season, we will see the Kansas City Chiefs raise their Super Bowl banner the second time in three years against the Chicago Bears' biggest rival, not their biggest rival, one of their biggest rivals, the Detroit Lions. Very much looking forward to seeing how that shakes out. But before the Barroom Network and all of you dive into your football, I got to get here to talk about some baseball for just a little bit. And there's nobody. That on Thursday, September 7th of the year of our good Lord, 2023, I would rather bring on this show than a friend of the program who's been on multiple times. I don't think I've had anybody more, to be quite frank with you. It's because I truly enjoy their knowledge and their insight. Of course, I'm talking about Phil Selig from CubaDugout.com, the inventor of CubaDugout.com, and the Canadian Cuban baseball and American team enthusiast. Sure. I tried to make I th- that. I think sound. that qualifies. Tried to make that well, sound clever, but I'm not clever. So. Goes, to make it sound a little bit more robust than it might be, but uh, but I appreciate it. And uh, hola a todos, uh, la gente on uh, on on Chicago. So very much look forward to having. I, think I mixed you on. in some French there. So. Yeah, that sounded like you're <laughs> definitely from Ottawa, trying to you know associate yourself with the Cuban people, and I I love what you do. Phil, I'm a huge fan. I know I say that every show. I probably sound like a broken record at this point. But, you know, when I think about like, hey, what's a good show that I could put on for the audience? And I'm like, okay, people are always interested in hearing what Phil has to say. And you went on a trip recently. And that's kind of where I want to start this whole thing off because I've been anxious to hear about what you had going on on that trip. I have many questions. Since the day I found out you were leaving And then I said, when you come back, we'll talk. I've been waiting for this moment for a long time. Hello to Foster and everybody else in the online chat. Phil, what was the initial point of going on your trip to Cuba? Well, uh, I think, did we last talk in the lead up to the World Baseball Classic? Um, I think so. I think the last time you were on, um, Cuba was down 2 nothing in their group play. And they came all the way back to advance. 
Okay, so so it's been obviously a very busy year that way, and and uh, not long after, and and um, you know, spoiler alert, Cuba did advance the semifinal, which I uh, I did predict, just not necessarily the path that they took, and and uh, I think if it's on the on the record, I didn't like their chances midstream versus at the beginning, but so actually uh, very good this year that I was able to bookend the season. So I was in Havana for the season opener in uh, in late March, which was in the aftermath of the uh, of the World Baseball Classic. And then more recently, about a month ago, was able to uh, to venture to uh, Havana and Las Tunas for the uh, Cuban National Series final. And so, you know, that's a bit of a bucket list, um, although in typical Cuban fashion, I perhaps didn't get to take in as much baseball as I would have liked, it, liked to, but was definitely still an experience and, and uh, saw a lot of positivity towards the back end of the season that I thought was lacking during that first trip. That's awesome. I'm so happy to hear that for you. Now, when you went and saw some of those games, what team and, you know, obviously the largely American audience that we have here with a little bit of Canadian sprinkled in might not know exactly what's going on in terms of the league that you went to observe. What's a team that sticks out when you think about your trip? So uh, the final was contested between the Las Tunas Leñadores, who, uh, for reference, the the biggest name that they've produced is uh, Jordan Alvarez, although he played uh, just for a short time while he was there. So they they ended up capturing their second championship in the past four years, uh, and they faced off against Industrialis of uh, of Havana, who are. Uh, the Yankees of, of Cuban baseball and that they have the, the most championships with 12, but uh, similar to the Yankees have not uh, won a championship since uh, since 2010. So their their rise, uh, their return to the finals, the first time since they last captured the championship um, was was not predictable either at about the third way, uh, third uh way mark of the season they were in uh, dead last in in so they went on a, a bit of a miraculous run and so um i i try not to pick favorites as it goes uh but you know the my trips have taken me largely to havana and in that time i've gotten to know a lot of the players so it, it was definitely a motivator and looking at it if if this was going to be the opportunity and the time has kind of worked on a personal level to get there that uh, i might not uh, might not get another chance to see industrialis get back and and uh, as many and unfortunately, they they didn't uh, they didn't take the title. But when you look at where they were, uh, kind of earlier in the season, it's just uh, it's it was impressive to to get there. And it was uh, you know it's glad that I could go support them, grab photo and and, and video, and be a part of um, you know kind of a, a bucket list item for me. And you could go to cubadugout.com to check out a lot of those photos and some of Phil's content that he created from his visit to Havana. Um, is there a player? that was on either of those teams that you're like, wow, that could be the next Jordan Alvarez or, Hey, this guy is going to be a top flight international free agent, like a Luis Robert jr. Or a Yoan Moncada back in the day. Um, does, does anybody stick out like that? When I ask you that question, I think, I think that window has passed. And so what this represented and in terms of uh, storylines was, was probably a little bit more rich for um, those that are engaged more in the, in, in the culture. Uh, than necessarily where I have been lucky in the past to see a number of those players. Um, so for me, um, what it was was interesting to see that a uh, Danelle Castro, who, um, you know, 
and more recently became the all-time Cuban hit king at uh, 47, soon to be 48 years old, still playing at a at a high level. Um, which at the same time, I mean, might give you an idea of kind of where where the league is. But when you when you look at that, a guy who's played for for 30 years and uh, is still contributing uh, was was interesting to me. Um, you know, so Las Tunas had had a lot of veteran sluggers as it goes, and that's probably why they uh, why they kind of rose because I, I I don't think the expectations weren't super high for them at the beginning of the year. You know, we kind of figured that when they won their championship a few years ago, they've kept that core together. Four years can be an eternity in 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 baseball. Ball, but I guess in keeping that and keeping that veteran approach and getting uh, a couple of, of uh, young arms is more what buoyed sort of uh, the industrialis uh, turnaround. Um, you know, I don't want to say that nobody is a prospect there. It's just uh, I think right now the league and, and how it's structured is um, is more kind of uh, for for the Cuban people and and for an opportunity for for guys to, to continue to develop. Then hopefully, as we saw, you know, uh, play in the World Baseball Classic, maybe get professional contracts playing, um, for instance, in Canada or in uh, they have sent a couple players to Dominican, although that historically was a little bit of a different pipeline down to Mexico, down to Panama, those sorts of leagues. Whereas I think a lot of the younger players, the, the true prospects are uh, kind of skipping over that. They're leaving much younger and probably ending up on the Dominican shores uh, at 15, 16 in time for the international signing period. Got it. Very interesting. So when you build a team in this league, is it similar to the way major league baseball works where, you know, teams spend X amount of money and, you know, in baseball, there's no salary cap, but there are in other sports in North America. I'm curious, how does a team have sustained success like that with the rules that are in place there? Yeah. So, so historically, um, teams there would be there would be limited player movement that has changed a little bit so most of most of and and this is a you know kind of a thing that uh that i think um buoys some of the passion that uh under the current structure because sorry there have been multiple changes over the years so like if someone were to nitpick so at this period they, they had reinforcements uh that by and large the guys do develop through their through the provincial uh program that being said, for instance, at, at like a Lost Tunis, which is a smaller, uh, which is a smaller province, and uh, basically, as I, I, I discovered, is a fourteen-hour bus ride from Havana, um, which was um, more comfortable than I thought it might be, but still not something I'd necessarily recommend. But um, so that's that's the beauty for for the Leñadores, uh, a team again who is comprised largely of uh, of guys from that province. Whereas you know, for an Industrialis of Havana, yes, a lot are from the uh, from from that province but they sometimes can can stockpile a little bit and some of the younger players that they brought in are kind of from adjacent provinces of Mayaveque, Artemisa whereas uh, Amatanzas a team that um uh, that I thought might have gone a little bit further has built their program in repatriating or bringing back um bringing back guys that have played at the major league level sorry with one caveat that a name that everyone should recognize but unfortunately um, was unable to play in the final. He played in the uh, in the semifinal. Was Yomani, Yasmani Tomas, of course, signed a, a huge deal with uh, with Arizona and even hit uh, 30 home runs in a season one time before getting caught in a little bit of a uh, roster jam or being without a position or the perception that he was a quadruple A player. Um, did return to Industrialis, but unfortunately missed the finals uh, due to uh, some gastronomical issues. Very interesting. 
good information, Phil. Um, so when you're sitting in the stands at a place like this, I don't know how many major league ballparks you visited in your career, but it's clear even just watching the games on TV that, you know, Wrigley Field has a different perception than guaranteed right field. And then you got Tropicana down in Florida. A lot of people like Dodger Stadium, Yankee Stadium, Fenway Park. What are the vibes based on what you think you know about major league parks in comparison to these games that you're visiting in Cuba? Is it a college atmosphere? I don't know if you've ever been to the college baseball world series. I want to go next year. I'll see if I can make that happen. But um, you know, just talk to me through like the fan experience a little bit, the atmosphere. Yeah. So I've been to, I've been to probably about half the major league stadiums and then tack on, you know, myriad number of, of uh, minor league stadiums as, as well. And so um the in in Las Tunas, which is very different than Industrialis and and, and uh, or sorry Latino Americano, the, the home of Industrialis in Havana, uh, Latino Americano Stadium, um, which unfortunately I didn't get to see a game this time, but I've been there you know 15, 20 times, uh, is the second largest stadium in all of the world behind uh, behind Dodger Stadium. So um, when that sells out is as loud as as, as anything that that you'll hear. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, and, and actually kind of anecdotally that that I saw that at the beginning of the year, um, you know, I was there again, I was there for the for the season opener, there might have been 5000 6000 people there, whereas at least for when that when the series did shift for the two games in in Havana, it looked like they were drawing bigger crowds 30 35,000. Now more direct answer to the the ambiance in Las Tunas, which is a, a smaller stadium, but probably about 14 15,000 people was jam-packed um the construction uh was was a little bit goofy there there were a couple things that by north american standard would probably be a fire hazard so it was a little bit difficult to move around and so i guess one of the things that was good is is you know i did have access on the field for for a portion of it but i was able to move around to certain parts and just kind of acted uh, as if but um uh, the parallel that i'll draw that in uh, in 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 game one uh, while I was there, Las Tunas did take a, a late lead, and those 14,000 people were as loud as any stadium that I've been in, and that includes the World Series in Yankee Stadium and the NBA Finals in the Boston Garden. Wow. Wow, Phil, you have a nice resume, a nice sports resume there. Wow. That's impressive. So I'm curious, and you can answer this like I'm a complete dummy, like I've never watched a baseball game before in my life. Obviously, I have. Um, you have Major League Baseball. I think most people would assume that the champion of Major League Baseball would probably smoke the champion of any other league in the world, right? But where does this Cuban league that you just watched the championship for rank in terms of the other world leagues in the world? So obviously you have Major League Baseball at the top, but there's the KBO, leagues in Europe, Mexico, Dominican Republic. Um, I'm sure there's leagues in other non-traditional markets, Canada, um, where does this league kind of rank in terms of them all? Yeah, so that's a good question. It's tougher and tougher to make comparisons. Um, I think it, it is interesting, and you have to acknowledge that it is kind of the largest sovereign league that it, that, that exists with 16 teams uh, representing each province and, and uh, comprised completely of of uh, national of, of Cuban talent. So, you know, at this point, um, you know, MLB number one, uh, MPB uh, number two, KBO number three, and then probably we look at uh, Taiwan number four. Um, 
you know, at this point, uh, the Cuban National Series might even even be below a um, couple of the Mexican iterations, which have two two seasons. So I'd say it's probably about the the seventh or the eighth. Um, uniquely, what we will find out in a way, the the World Baseball Softball uh, Confederation uh, later this month is going to be hosting their first kind of championship uh, champion series, which is going to be uh, kind of the um, the independent pro league. So, for instance, I believe it's it's a team from the frontier league or no the american association um so so cuban contingent will be there um and and so but it is interesting to note that what that team is is going to be the grandma team uh that won the 61st cuban national series with enough reinforcements that has aggravated people that they're looking and saying you're trying to turn this into an iteration of the cuban national team but not really so is it grandma uh, and, and again, sometimes people that grandma is the province is so the boat that Fidel made his way to, uh, to to Cuba on, not grandma or grandpa. And so uh, a lot of people are looking at it saying there's a little bit of a manipulation. So uh, it, it is very tough to gauge that. And that's why um, even when you look at the performance in the world baseball classic, you know, that team versus, you know, sort of what the Cuban national team is for other tournaments. It's, it's always key to 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 watch what uh, what contingent they are sending if you are uh, trying to, to establish uh, expectations, which in fairness is probably not hugely different than the Dominican Republic for the sake that when you look at the Dominican national team that goes to the world baseball classic, which is loaded with pro talent that, you know, that's why they kind of in the, in the world rankings are probably lower than you would expect because when they go to these, these other tournaments, a lot of times it's, and and I don't want to, I don't want to slag on anybody, but it's kind of that talent that's not in the system. So I don't want to say it's guys that's left, but the guys that are playing for the Dominican national team are a little bit different than the WBC. So Cuba's kind of somewhere in between there at this point where, you know, we've seen all of that professional talent. I mean, a lot of it's in Chicago, uh, whereas the, the national team in in certain tournaments does better and it depends on the configuration also depends on who's available because there's a lot of other guys that are playing in japan um and and are allowed to come back but are making good money there so that's that's their priority or playing in mexico and so it's uh, if at any given point you kind of look and see where where the top cuban talent is around the world it is it is interspersed kind of everywhere i do think it's funny that <coughs> The whole thing you you mentioned this uh, frontier league, and earlier in the uh, or earlier in the regular season, I had gone to a Schomburg Boomers game, and you commented. I po- posted some pictures on Facebook, and you commented, <laughs> "Love that." And uh, you know, you had something to say about like the Cubans and their involvement with this whole frontier league. First of all, what's your overall thoughts on the frontier league? I don't know, like the extent of it. I've never actually really truly researched what I was watching when I was at Frontier League games. I'm I'm genuinely curious about this league, your thoughts on it and the Cuban connection. Yeah, so I, I, I have a little bit of a soft spot for it for the sake that a level of my access has grown through the KM, which merged into the Frontier League. So for those who don't know, the Frontier League and and kind of um, and the American Association represent basically the largest independent leagues in in uh, in in the world, I guess, but but especially in North America. So, especially with a few years ago with the minor league, uh, you know, I guess the rationalization of teams, because we've seen a couple of smaller teams kind of jump in 
we've also seen the talent level that that has grown there. So um, in 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 a lot of years we saw and and more. Uh, so for Ottawa, who had the Ottawa champions, and and so my documentary, which which was uh, which was screened at the Baseball Hall of Fame a few years ago, tells a level of that story, connecting those dots, specifically with with a gentleman uh, named Alexander Mayetta, who came to play here, who is one of the the all time greats for for Industrialis, a top player, and and you know really, um, but for circumstance or or. Or maybe if he had gotten out is, you know, could have been one of those names, could have been up there with so many during during that same era, the Cespedes of the world, the the Abreus, that kind of thing. Um, so it really is it is a solid level of baseball, um, especially in again, in a in a world where minor league baseball is rationalized and and you know, kind of cut down on was it thirty-six or, or thirty-two teams. So for kind of those 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 mid markets, um, you know, it, it is an entertainment product onto its own. But make no mistake about it. It's it's a decent level of ball with a lot of guys that that either were drafted, got hurt. Unfortunately, uh, this year we didn't see uh, the Cuban talent in in the Frontier League as we have before, and and you know most of the time that is the Canadian teams. Obviously, it's a, it's a little bit easier with with everything, and then just the the visa requirements to be able to travel over the border. Um, but even so, last year we saw that um, the, the Quebec Capitals won the uh, won the Frontier League championship, and and they had two players in, in Jordan Mandalay, uh, who was the shortstop, and and people may or may not recognize he was the starting shortstop for Cuba uh, during the famous game against the Tampa Bay Rays. And then uh, we also had Yuelkis uh, Guibert, who, and this is kind of funny, um, was released late last season by Quebec and then parlayed that into a big performance or at least a clutch performance coming through with a couple of the big hits to help Cuba advance in the, in the World Baseball Classic. So um, I'm hoping that that pipeline opens up down the road it, it, it is a little bit tougher these days and, and some of that might just have been visa or teams look at and go you know is the expense worth it but that that pipeline both uh, and, and i guess just to, to for simplicity for frontier where that's where i've gotten the access to many of the cuban national teams of the past many of the players and it's, it's helped me to forge some of those relationships that now when i see them in in cuba or how i get some of my access very interesting. I'm looking at it right now. It actually looks like the Schomburg Boomers were just eliminated yesterday. I don't know if I'm reading this right. I'm not the, no, I'm not going to say I'm not smart because I can't realize that. It was two <laughs> days ago, it looks like. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, their, like their playoffs are going on right now. So I believe, and, and I think in the uh, the other bracket, the Quebec Capitals are, are waiting for, uh, or they might, the play-in game might have already happened between New Jersey and, uh, and and New York, the Rockland Boulder. So, you know, and and for, I think actually Chicago has a lot of representation that there's two or three teams kind of just on the outskirts or within within kind of the Chicagoland area, which is interesting. Uh, I don't I, I mean, you you might be able to speak better that in terms of what the attendance was or, or what stadium they were playing at, but overall it, it's a pretty decent uh, product as it goes for for an unaffiliated uh, for an unaffiliated league. Yeah, it actually um, I don't know if this is Evansville in Illinois, but if that is, that's Evansville Otters, it is. Yeah. and then yeah. the Joliet Slammers to go in addition to yeah. the uh, Schomburg Boomers. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I've been to many many Boomers games in my life, and they were the Schomburg Flyers before that, but. Um, yeah, it's really cool. And I hope people, this is kind of encouraging me to go check them out more often. And you were correct. It was the, uh, the Quebec team is looking at, um, 
now I lost it. The Quebec team is in the playoffs, and I think they're playing New Jersey now. So yeah, that'll that be interesting. Right. They, they finished. They finished one two in in the and uh, and they were the two strongest teams. So that that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm gonna I'm interested in who ends up winning the whole thing now. Um, so let's move on over to some of the Cuban players that made their way into Major League Baseball and have been stars for a long time or trying to be stars for a long time. Is it fair to say that Luis Robert Jr. of the Chicago White Sox has been the best Cuban player in Major League Baseball this season? Well, so it's it's a tough call. I mean, it's good to see that he's finally healthy. This looks like it's going to be his first uh, full season, and and you know, there's a lot to like there. The power has been good. The average is is um, you know kind of. Uh, it's not bad. Let's put it that way. It's for, for 270, 35 home runs. But I think the health is the key thing. I believe we talked about, you know, what the what the White Sox expectations were going into the season. And unfortunately, uh, the one caveat of expecting rebounds from a number of players uh, hasn't truly come to fruition. But that that can't fall at his feet. He's probably the one guy that has rebounded. And so with that in mind, at you know, at 25, and sometimes you forget because he signed that long ago and he's been up for a while, that that he is still only 25, is starting to, to show on on some of that promise um unfortunately you know it's been uh, a very inconsistent season but uh with that in mind in the majors this year we're seeing that jose adolis garcia is having a big year for the texas rangers and and um, and jorge soler has been um been kind of resurgent uh for for the marlins who were in the fight for for a while and and uh, similarly i think jordan alvarez is probably still the best cuban hitter in the game right now but has missed some time but when he's been in there you know, is, um, is, 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 is as dangerous and as anyone and probably as important to, uh, to any team with, uh, with grand aspirations in, in this season. I love hearing that about Jordan and listen, the Astros have kind of been like, I kind of view them the way I view like a silent assassin, right? Like they've just kind of flown under the radar. They haven't been very noisy. They actually got off to a rough start. Altuve got hurt in the world baseball classic. And, you know, uh, now they're, they look like they could be, like, getting a bye. And I don't know if they're going to catch the Orioles in the standings. But, like, they're kind of putting themselves past the Rangers. We'll see what the Mariners can do. Jose Abreu has been a big part of the team this year in terms of, you know, just being there. You know, I'm not certain he's the go-to guy like he once was in Chicago by any means. But you got to be pretty cool seeing Jose Abreu finally playing on a winning team that has a chance once October starts. And, and, it, and it's a tough call. I know I think we discussed that when uh, roughly around the time that he signed that um, as much as you would have liked to say, see him stay with, with Chicago, and I would say overall the, the, the numbers have been a little underwhelming for Houston, maybe relative to the dollars. So, I mean, I'm glad to see him get the, get the payday. Um, the fact of the matter is what he probably represents, as you say, if that's a team that can get healthy and, and, and uh, can figure it out going into the playoffs is still, even though his power's down and, and his average is down, is still producing at, a, at a, a, a decent RBI clip for how his production is overall. And so that guy that you know is going to give you a competitive bat when you need it or a professional bat, especially in that playoff environment, is is just the type of guy that, um, you know, you, you look at if they want to, if they plan on going on an extended playoff run is perfect. Now, that being said, do I want to eat the, do I want to see how he looks at the rest of that contract or pay those dollars at the rest of the contract? But that's uh, that's kind of the game that you play and the risk that you that, that you take in, in signing uh, players over 30 years of age or over 35 to, uh, to long-term contracts. 
There are a lot of baseball people in the world that don't value the RBI statistic as much as they once did. I'm kind of in the middle. I think if you have a lot of RBIs, that probably means you're contributing to wins on a good team. Um, but for some reason, Jose Abreu, he kind of like makes me second guess the RBI statistic a little bit because his RBIs are always through the roof. He could be having a terrible season and he's a lock for 80 RBIs. It's strange to me. And then you got a guy like Luis Robert, who's probably going to hit 40 dingers this year. And he probably won't break 80 RBIs because I, and is it because the White Sox suck? Is it because Abreu's clutch? Is it because the Astros are awesome and in front of him are some big dogs swinging the bat? And he's always got men on base. So when he does hit 220, you know, those 22 hits out of 100 are coming with people on base. What is it about the Abreu that you think makes him such an RBI machine? Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's lies, damn lies, and statistics. And I'm not going to lie and say that I don't fall prey to it at certain points. That um, and, and that's a level of what I think started the analytic movement, but where it can get lost is looking at and saying, you know, um, so this guy puts up big numbers. Okay. So you've got an idea that, 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 you know, anybody that knocks in a hundred, 125, 100, you know, when you get into 130 runs, that sort of thing that, you know, this, this guy is consistently uh, delivering, but that being said that that's no prediction of how the guy's going to deliver in a close game and in a close scenario when you, when you need him. And even, even there's really no way to project that other than to see what it happens. So I think that's where like, uh, again, an Abreu um, where, you know, if if you're in that scenario, you want a guy who's just going to do what he can to get runs across. I think that's the biggest change where where, you know, if it's launch angle, if it's this, if guys just kind of swinging for the fences all the time versus a guy who who grew up in a, in, in, in a different era, different system. Uh, but still, obviously, you know, can can mash one when when he needs to. But basically, his approach is to do what it takes to put bat to ball to to do what he needs to to move that runner along to move it in. And that seems like that approach is a little bit lost. Maybe it's because guys don't get get paid for it. Um, you know, most people myself included are incentivized by what happens with their wallet. But I think that what, what gets lost in that is that that's not necessarily, it, it can be exciting baseball, but it's not necessarily winning baseball. And so if you're, if you're, if you're playing the game to win arbitration versus playing the game to win the game, um, you know, give me, give me an Abreu over, over, you know, a, um, uh, a Joey Gallo, <laughs> the poor comparison, but kind of the first first name that comes to mind of, of an all or nothing hitter that people find exciting. The tools are there, but you know, like you said, and, and, and kind of looking at, at Rover's numbers, not to not to pile on him there, but if that's a byproduct of the show, of the the White Sox just not putting anybody in in front of them, you know, thirty five home runs, seventy one RBIs, you kind of looking to go. It's a little bit hollow, but, um, you know, maybe that is just because it's been such a down season. You look and say, okay, there's the one guy that's that we, we knew we wanted him to be a building block, but at least he's rebuilt some of that. And then kind of if, if the White Sox kind of retool around that, maybe maybe those RBI numbers creep up. If they don't, then I think you've got a long-term problem. 100%. And Joe Mandel says in the chat, the Sox traded a guy that's probably hitting 40 dingers too. He was traded to a team that comes from an area – with a heavy Cuban population, you think the Miami Marlins are able to sneak into the postseason? I don't, and 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 um, you know it, it's it's going to be it's going um, to be a, a, a dogfight to the very end. Um, I think that they just shut down uh, El, Alcantara, uh, so that that's a big blow. You know the fact that they hung around in the race for for a team that kind of. Um, 
you know, you weren't certain completely what they're doing, that they had young upside arms and then kind of threw some things at the wall, um, you know, with, with some veteran bats and kind of overachieved. I just think that they're out of gas at this point. Understood. They do hold a wild card spot as we stand today after being a little hot over the last week or so. But there's the San Francisco Giants, the Cincinnati Reds, um, and then I believe holding the final wild card spot is the Marlins. Yes, the, the Marlins. Um, so, yeah, very interesting stuff. Phil, you've done great on the show so far today. I want to know, you grew up a Yankee fan, right? Correct. What the H happened to the Yankees? They're having this worst season of all time, and they're still probably going to end up over 500 and just missing the playoffs because they're getting hot right now. Time is undefeated. And and so going into the season, um, I had a lot of concerns. Uh, was there a level? I mean, actually, in simple terms, if you look at after the hot start last year, they stopped playing at the All-Star break. And if, uh, if the Marlins ran out of gas, then, then the Yankees would definitely run out of gas. There's a bit of bad luck. I don't like to rely on that. I mean, um, in, in groups with friends of mine, and they, they probably have a very valuable point on it, that um, if you look at the amount of time missed, um, Judge, you know, Stanton, um, you know, even Donaldson before they released him, if you want to uh, subscribe to that being why he has gone into the tank, you know, it was, it was just everything that kind of went right in the first half of 2022 went wrong in 2023. But that being said, you know, you look at the construction of that roster outside of where injuries definitely ravaged the pitching staff and, and, but the pitching staff is still more than held its own. Just that, that offense is, it, it, it was incredibly flawed and it seemed like uh, old. So, I mean, there's, there's reason for excitement right now, obviously. And, and I was surprised that the Yankees have committed to that youth movement. It didn't seem like they, they wanted to. And, 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 and in fairness to that um, with a Jason Dominguez, who, you know, it, it, it's tough to gauge these Uber prospects, these 20 year old kids when they come through, especially if you look at the first half of the season when he was kind of, when he was in double a and, and the numbers don't jump out at you. So that's why actually I, I like a, I, I, I like a baseball savant where you can go and go into a games log and kind of even break it down by months with a player that's, that's 20 years old that you can look and say, okay. So even if, again, those numbers don't jump off, is his K walk getting better? Is, is he showing you something? Is he showing that discipline? You know, is, is the average creeping up? And then sometimes with these guys, you just have to take the training wheel straight off as we're perhaps, and I hope that we're seeing now, you know, jumping up to, to that major league level, maybe, you know, and, and I've, I've, I've wondered why this is, why a guy can come in and, and, and for those who, who aren't aware, you know, and it's small, small sample size alert, but you could not have asked for a better start for, for the Martian uh, since, since coming up, both um, for him specifically and, and, and the Yankees being on a five-game winning streak. Um, you know, you look at and go, is the minor league, is it, is it some level of uh, – the lifestyle, you know, guys just don't get as excited about doing it as, you know, just moving to, you know, living off a major league diet. Is it better? Is it the excitement of the crowd? Is it, is it the, is it the fact that, you know, in the minor, sometimes it might sound like it, it's easier to hit, but are you seeing anything to hit? So do you start going out versus are guys challenging you or are they nibbling more or, you know, versus at the major league level, as they frequently say, you know, the, 
the the transition seems to be especially when a guy comes up and, and is on fire everybody checks to see if you can hit a fastball yeah well chances are you you wouldn't be here if you can hit a fastball so okay first time around guys are like oh we want to find this out for ourselves but then do they start mixing in the breaking stuff and is that the big adjustment for players and that is that what's inevitable for him so far i like the results i like his approach um it's definitely way out of the norm for for what the yankees do if that's you know either because they haven't had that need to or they've just they they really haven't had a prospect like this in their system in, in quite some time that the the only excitement i guess is and and you know don't don't cry for us argentina you know it looks like the uh they still could finish over 500 you know for every season since 1993 but uh there, there is at least some room for excitement there but don't let that masquerade the fact that there are going to be some payroll problems it is going to be hard to to tweak that so unless um uh, dominguez you know kind of finishes this year strong obviously looks like he's going to be the starting center fielder next year and, and becomes, you know, what you hope he is right away. Uh, and, and a couple other younger guys contribute. I think it could be a little bit of a, a retool rebuild for the Yankees over the next couple of years. I hope they go over 500 only because I would be kind of annoyed. It would trigger me if they made it 29 years with straight over 500 and they couldn't get to 30. That would kind of annoy me as just a personal, like, needed to be an even number. You're going to go under 500, do it next year after you made it 30 straight years, Yankees. Okay, last baseball question, Phil. We're on Crosstown Crosstalk. We do the White Sox and the Cubs surrounded by MLB chat. Um, you touched on the White Sox. They stink. Everybody watching this knows that. But what is your perspective of the Chicago Cubs? So Cubs, um, you know, you know. I, I have a soft spot for uh, for the Cubs. Um, you know, going to Wrigley was kind of a um, was sort of the introduction to me, where where I figured out maybe I could do baseball photography. It was kind of the first stadium that I that I photographed, and and, and it was nice. So, other than that, I mean, if and this is going to be probably more of a casual answer. You look at it, 2016 doesn't feel like it's that long ago, but it does at the same time. And so it's it, it's fascinating to see. Um, for a team that should have been a dynasty, um, how it only turned into the one championship and, and, and kind of where all of those pieces have gone. So I, I know that they've been competitive this year where they, they weren't supposed to. And so it's, it's, uh, I don't know if that's good or bad for them for the sake that, um, you know, when, when you look at what that foundation is versus and, and not suggesting, although maybe, maybe somewhere in there, they, they think that uh, going back to the model that worked to bring them to, to, to break a, uh, 108 year curse is is the only way to do it so so it's very interesting to see that they're uh, that they've been competitive i thought that maybe they were going to be sellers at the uh, at the at the deadline and, and the yankees might have played into some of that so obviously they kind of held on to their their chips and i think they're still sniffing around but um yeah so so it's i look at it more from the perspective of it's um it's interesting kind of how quickly or if it is a precautionary tale how quickly you can go from building a a cost controlled young core to um just for whatever reason it not working so you know one one championship when it looked like i would have predicted that they would have been a a, a dynasty uh so you know if that speaks volumes to if your team does win a world series cherish it um and and why general managers and teams will go all in if they think they've got one shot at it versus why would you do that versus trying to build sustainability what is sustainability in most markets so absolutely and i'll tell you bellinger swanson 
They've been, and now they're starting to get more from like Suzuki and Hap have been hitting a lot more lately. I have questions about the rotation. They're going to run Justin Steele and Kyle Hendricks to start the first two games of the playoffs. And then after that, I think that job is still to be won with about 25-ish games left in the season. So it's going to be interesting for them. Um, I think they win around. I kind of, I'm going to predict them to beat the Phillies, I think. I don't know. I just, I have a feeling they win around. And then in, after that, it's like, who could beat the Braves? If somebody can upset the Braves, then the National League is wide open. So I, that, I respect going for it. I wish my team would do that. The team on the other side of town is a dumpster fire. But, Phil, before you leave, I have two non-baseball-related questions. Are you going to partake in any football this season, or are you just not too interested? Yeah, I am. I'm entering probably with uh, less excitement than most seasons. So um, I am I am a Patriots fan. So um, I kind of discussing a level of this earlier that, um, you know, in, in Bill, we trust in some regards. But uh, and, and, and same thing, don't uh, you can't really shed that many tears coming out of the air that uh, that we did. And, 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 you know, not that you're trying to replace Tom Brady, but, um, you know, is it time to take the training wheels off of a Mac Jones and figure out what he can do? Or does Bill hold that so close to his vest? That's kind of, I'm not certain what the plan has been, although indications, you know, that, that uh, you know, the defense is strong. It's just the offense has been shoddy, maybe a different approach in play calling than last year's um, last year's uh, dumpster fire to, 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 to borrow that term. Um, you know, I just, uh, there's some faith that I do have that if you're going to look at and tell me that the Dolphins, the Jets, and the uh, and the Bills have all figured it out all of a sudden, I uh, I still think that the the Earth is round, um, and so you know it's it's uh, until I see that we'll we'll find out. So does that open an opportunity for uh, for the Patriots to to kind of surprise some people? Maybe not going to predict it. So, you know, maybe just uh, I've, I've got to just watch the games for the sake of the games and be thankful I don't have any hair left to pull out. It's funny you say that. The earth might be flat now. I, you said that. I picked the Jets, Bills, and Dolphins to all make the playoffs, have three teams out of the division in the wild card for this upcoming season. And, man, the Patriots, they took advantage. And I used to love when people, because I'm a Tom Brady guy, he's my favorite athlete of all time. Um, I used to, like, laugh oh the people just say the patriots they dominate a bad division and they have a free buy every year in the playoffs okay that free pass to the playoffs because they play in a stinky division didn't help them beat an all-time great Steelers defense it didn't help them destroy the ravens every time they played it didn't help them keep peyton manning from being one of the greatest quarter the greatest quarterback of all time because every time the colts looked like they were going to win the super bowl they ran into the patriots and Peyton Manning had an underwhelming playoff career because of the Patriots, so you can't rip on them for being in the division. The world has kind of flipped on them a little bit, which is very interesting. But um, go ahead. Were you going to say something? No, no. It's it's. I mean, like I said, it, it's. Uh, I think the frustration grows more from, and and it could be just a little bit of being spoiled. But it's like, what what is this plan? You know, why is is it Bill's ego that's finally coming to, to to roost on this? Thinking that okay, it's always, and and I know the debate was always was it Tom was it Bill? My my answer was it's it's you know it's yin and yang they, they need each other uh but obviously you know the players that go and play probably you give a little bit of a nod so it's just what what is the strategy what is the plan moving forward so you know i hope uh, i hope bill can can pull one out of his hat if not i think it's it's uh, been a wasted you know three four years here and it's time to uh, time to rebuild but 
Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And take advantage of this little time that the other three teams are probably ahead of you a little bit. You could you have time to rebuild this thing the right way. And Joe says it perfectly. Cutting Zappy was a shock. I think that'll probably make Mac Jones be a little bit more confident. You know, maybe it'll help him play better. But Phil, we can't thank you enough for your time. I did say I had one more non-baseball related question. It's because every time I talk to you, I know you're not the like the most diehard hockey fan of all time but mm-hmm. i love it so much that i have i love having an ottawa senators friend um playoffs good team excited for the season jake sanderson eight years for 8.05 million last night wrote about that what do you think i think the excitement in the uh, in the market um and in ottawa is more around the fact that with uh, with a new ownership group that um, it, it feels like it is finally time to move forward there is obviously some young pieces in there and they're they're locking up um, I went, I, I actually got to a few games last year and it was an exciting brand of hockey. What my takeaway from it was that they were that high scoring offense that, um, if they could, if they could rein a level of that in and just, um, you know, cause was it cause they were taking chances and it paid off when they were going in, you know, and, and, and attacking versus it seemed like there was a lot of back and forth. Again, it was the most exciting, uh, exciting brand of senators hockey I've seen in the, in the, in the 21 years I've lived in this city. However, I could see where, you know, um, that obviously the playing a little bit more of a balanced game. And if they can do that, if that's a maturity thing, I don't even know if it's a personnel thing. It might be a maturity thing that, that they possibly could take a, a jump this year. So uh, if they can keep the firepower going, but play a little bit more disciplined, I think, uh, I think they're a team that, uh, you know, could be knocking on the door there. I, I know that that's not what most of the prognosticators think, or they don't think it's time yet, but um, you know, any, anything, uh, anything like that could happen. Anything could happen, and they have Tim Stutzla, who is one of the best players in the NHL from this moment forward. He will start to become, I think, a more well-nationally known star. I think he breaks 100 points this year. He was in the 90s as true bake breakout year last year. But, Phil, we can't thank you enough for coming on our show. Tell everybody where they could read your stuff right now. Yeah, across all the socials, Cuba Dugout, and at my website, cubadugout.com. And make sure you follow him at is it at Cuba dugout? Sorry. Is it yep. at Phil's across the board every, so, so from YouTube to Twitter, to Instagram, to Facebook. Um, so it's uh, tried to make it as cohesive as, uh, as possible and, and simple. So I don't get confused. He's a very smart man and a great Twitter follow and a great follow on everything. Make sure you read his website. Make sure you follow me at Vinny Parisi for our producer, Joe Mandel. Thank you very much. It has been great to the audience. We can't thank you enough. Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Twitch, everywhere you could find this stuff. Make sure you go like and subscribe. Make sure you tune into the Barroom Network all weekend long, where we will be covering the National Football League. Let's go, Bears. Thank you for listening. Another happy landing.